0: Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We got a lot to talk about, a wild weekend across the board. Um, We uh, start off with the IndyCar and NASCAR weekend at IMS, the doubleheader that B. Scott was at. Uh, We also are going to talk about the Colts' first preseason game, how things look for Jacob Eason, as well as Sam Ellinger. Uh, And then we're also going to go through a special edition of Hot or Cold, Rapid Fire Style. We're going to talk about which teams we think are playoff caliber um, and uh, which ones are not. So a lot to get to. But first, B. Scott, how was your weekend at the track, my guy?
1: Oh, it was great. I'm so glad that the weather shifted for a few days and it wasn't bloody hot you know able to sit out there with a nice breeze obviously if you look you can tell i had a hat on and i've got a horrible horrible tan line right across the top of my forehead but yeah it was good and uh very entertaining
0: yeah, it looked like a very fun race uh, to be at. Um, and that's where we'll get things kicked off here uh, as we talk about the weekend. Of course, we, you know, we discussed it last week as well, um, You know the big weekend at IMS where IndyCar and NASCAR fans can finally kind of rub elbows. Um, it started all off with the big machine Spike Coolers Grand Prix on Saturday. Uh, and much like I predicted, willpower dominated. After a couple of weeks of just coming up short, he finally gets the win. Uh, It was at first dominated by Pato Award, who led the first 16 laps. Uh, Will Power then led the, led the final 56 of 69 laps. Uh, there were 11 lead changes among six drivers, but mostly that occurred during green flag pit stops. Romain Gross, John, Colton Herta, Alexander Rossi, Pato Award rounded out the top five. Alex Palouse uh, suffers a mechanical failure. He now leads just by 21 points over Award. Scott Dixon is third 34 points back so reaction to that race i mean you know <clears throat> anytime that my pick actually goes right we automatically love that and it um, wasn't the <laughs> crash
1: kiss of death
0: yeah i know it, it, it for the one time that you would want my crash kiss of death to be right uh it is uh, actually wrong um so uh, you know, big win by Will Power finally getting on track to season. He I didn't realize he had won. I mean, I guess since the Harvest GP last year, but I, it, you know, it's a that's a long time to go back to. Uh, you know, his last win. Um, you know, there wasn't a ton of action, but it was a solid race. It was a good race to put on. It wasn't like anything super spectacular. Of course, obviously, what happened then on Saturday afternoon and then Sunday kind of overshadowed what happened in the in the GP on Saturday, but you know, um, it was, it was a fine race. It was a, it was a fun race to watch still. Um, and with four races left, the championship is going down to the wire, which I think like that kind of adds to it. If you're a NASCAR fan that was walking around the pagoda or walking around the, the stands on Saturday and you're like, Hey, what's going on? Hey, you know what? Alex Palou's out with a uh, you know, mechanical failure. There's four races left. Things are about to get interesting.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't a super entertaining race. The IndyCar one wasn't, um, you know, but it was still good. We saw there was still a lot of action. Um, yeah, Will Power run, won. Um, we did almost have another run-in with his golf cart um, yet again. It's, long story short, Will Power and I are rivals, and he just doesn't know it, but we are. Um, <laughs> and you know it was it was a good race it was very entertaining uh it was it was really fun hearing nascar fans talk about what you know oh their first time seeing an indy car um we did see for the first time issues with what would become a common theme throughout the weekend we saw issues with the turn six curb um Began uh, on that day, or that race with um, Scott McLaughlin got airborne. Uh, I believe it was another person that got airborne as well. Uh, I think it was maybe it was just Scott, but yeah, we were from our viewpoint we could see the turn six curb, and yeah, there was even the bottoms of uh, Indy cars were getting damaged on that. So, and that's they don't usually go over that curb. Because they're more agile, so they're able to whip around them a little bit more. But that was becoming a common theme early on Saturday. But, I mean, that whole day on Saturday was awesome because you got there and, like, at, starting right at 8.45, IndyCar had a warm-up session. And then you went right into Xfinity qualifying. And then you went right into the practice one for the cup cars. Then you went right into the IndyCar race, and then you went right into the Xfinity race. I mean, it was just a, a day of nonstop action, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, it really was. It was a lot of fun, uh, you know, to watch, and um, you know, glad we finally got into some racing here. Uh, and then we, you know, of course, you mentioned the Xfinity race. Uh, Austin Sindrick wins that one. He led 29 of 62 laps. And again, like you said, a lot of the problems with uh, turns uh, five and six and those little S's. And uh, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, ha- has this been an issue before th- this oh. year? No, nope, so like not an
1: issue at all last year, even with Xfinity, and it wasn't even an issue really this year with Xfinity, maybe a little bit, but it, I nobody's ever heard of this being an issue until Sunday. Truly, right? I mean, you well, really, I think there was an issue. The only other issue on Saturday during Xfinity is somebody hit the turtle that was out there, and they ended up removing the turtle. Because I was like, okay, yeah, that's not too good to have there We and with these cars. So they removed that. Okay, problem solved. But little did we know that was yeah. just the beginning.
0: So let's go ahead and get into it. The Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Stage 1, Tyler Reddick passes Michael McDowell in the final laps to win Stage 1. Uh, Tyler Reddick uh, also takes Stage 2. Uh, the big news from that stage, or the main news, was that brad Kozlowski crashes in turn number 11 but then let's get into the final stage there's a crash off of that turn six curbing it comes up 11 cars are involved william byron kyle bush joey Logano, ryan priest tyler reddick chris busher christopher bell daniel suarez james davison Kevin Harvick and Justin Haley all involved. The red flag comes out for 20 minutes. Um, then we go into the first overtime. Uh, first overtime Michael McDowell gets airborne and turns six to six car crash. Michael McDowell, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, Tyler Reddick, and Corey LaJoy. A lot of the guys that were involved in that first incident. Um, get caught up in the second incident. Um, There's a five-minute red flag, and then we get into the second overtime. Um, It's a battle between Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe. Briscoe forced off the course in turn one. He's given a stop-and-go penalty, but before he can serve that, um, he then spins out Denny Hamlin on the same lap, and then he goes off course again, uh, which then gives the lead and the win to A.J. Allmendinger, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Matt DiBenedetto round out the top five. And you know what? I look back on this race, and, you know, the racing was exciting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, good. Ra- there was good racing during the stages. You know, you, again, like I said, you had the battle between Michael McDowell um, and Tyler Reddick at the end of stage one. You had Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, which, of course, Dusty in the chat is happy, uh, did not win. Um you know, and, uh, you know, at the end of stage two, um, you know, it's mission inco- accomplished in my mind in terms of breathing life into racing at Indy because for better or worse, we're talking about the Brickyard um, the day after. I mean, we would have been anyway, but like we have more to talk about because of what happened yesterday and not that you really I mean, obviously, you don't want a crash fest to be, uh, you know, the main talking point every single time um but heck even to the point of the red flags i mean i don't think this is worse than what we've seen at daytona i mean i know it's daytona but heck daytona goes on daytona is an 8 hour event now like every oh, yeah. single year i feel like it starts at 3 and doesn't end until midnight so like like why are we or up in the arms? next day or even the next day so like i don't understand oh you know why people are you know up in arms um about um how the uh, how the race went this weekend. Oh, um, and I don't,
1: I don't think people are up in arms about the time length of the race.
0: No, 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 no. I'm just saying as far as like be as far as having a lot of red flags and being a, oh, like okay. a farce. Well, like I'll get into that here
1: in a little bit.
0: Yeah. I was going to say like, I don't think that, um, you know, this is any different than, you know, the Daytona 500 in terms of like, I know obviously there's a lot of, you know, red flags and times and stuff like that. And, you know, the timing isn't really an issue, but just the fact that like, I've seen the Daytona 500 be a complete, you know, crap show as well. And I don't see anybody being like, well, you know what, you know, wh- what can we do to fix this? It- it's, it's the same thing every year. So, I mean, you know, I, cause I have seen people on Twitter. I know it's Twitter, but some people, some, it's pe- some, some, like, heck, Nick Yeoman tweeted afterwards and said that, you know, okay, do we go back to the Oval next year? Um, and so, like, I, I don't think it's anything to, you know, go that far um, mm-hmm. overboard with. I mean, I do blame the issues with Turn 5 and 6 on the driver's unfamiliarity with the course. I mean, there's still no practice and still no qualifying. Um, there was.
1: There was. Was there practice? There was, there was practice and there was qualifying. They qualified Sunday morning.
0: For the for the NASCAR race oh yeah oh, okay well but they, also they did like all of
1: that because of the unfamiliarity with the track they did it so they would be able to get out there and then also half of the field ran in the Xfinity race as well.
0: Right. But regardless, I mean, the issues with turns five and six weren't an issue every single lap. It's only when shocker into the race, everybody's trying to get position and when everybody was clumped together. It and then also, on,
1: I think it was when Michael McDowell got spun out and he hit that curb, it broke his splitter and the splitter jammed up underneath the curb and started to lift it up. So at that point on when, I mean, we definitely saw it when William Byron hit the curb and, it made his car go airborne more than it normally would and just ripped the bottom of the, the car hard. And he said his, his tires didn't touch the ground again until he made it into the grass, which is true if you watch the replays. It was because of some damage to the curb from early on, which they were trying to fix. But at the same time, it's like you're, you're, you're needing to, you wanted to get things done and you want to get the problem fixed but if you have an extremely long red flag of trying to get out there and, you know, pave it over or whatever, you know, then it's, it's a whole other issue that that arises. So, I mean, it's one of those things you can't account for. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, guess what? Now if we go, but you guys are on the road course still next year, you know, don't drive over that curb. Actually drive right. around it, you know? It, it's there for a reason it's not meant to be driven on and i don't know i, I, I what, the one that really got under my skin was denny hamlin his excuse or his crying on twitter about it like and all we're gonna get is oh we'll try better next time that's the same story every year like okay But nobody, he's like, we we spent, we tore up millions of dollars of cars today. But you don't complain by, you complain about this one track, but not the eight times it seems like that you go to Daytona and Talladega. And there's millions of dollars of damage done to cars when you have multiple big ones. You know, and that's what they call the big wrecks that you're always waiting for the big one to happen. Yeah, that happens all the, every year, every race at those tracks It always happens. You never come away from there with just a few cars and damage. No, you, you come away, with multiple big incidences, and nobody complains about it. It's right. not a big deal then. But I guess it's not the track condition, but it's the way the track is driven. Right. Well, heck yeah. even
0: like Bristol, Martinsville, all these sh- like you know, all these short exactly. tracks that they go to, and they intentionally, you know, Dover take people out, run into each other, like they don't care about it then, but apparently it, it matters now, and that and that's what I'm, I'm ultimately saying is that like I think it's just one big overreaction. I think just taking a step back and saying, hey, you know, it, we're still talking about it. The racing overall was great, and then mm-hmm. oh, we'll just know better next time. And, and plus, like I've never been a big fan. Of the overtime system especially in this kind of instance this kind of instance kind of showed why their overtime system is kind of silly in my mind because Uh, because the reason because well but everybody's everybody's bunched up everybody you're having issues getting everybody through those turns why would you keep bunching them up like like i okay but well then if it makes for such good racing then why are people complaining about
1: it i don't think they were complaining about the overtime thing no, but what I'm saying condition. is they're
0: complaining about the track conditions, which were made worse by all the cars clumped up together. And so like what they're not they're not separate. Like if you're you can't be mad at the track condition or you can't be mad about the track conditions and then be like, let's bunch everybody up to where they have no choice but to drive over the curb.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I will say I was very glad that they kept going to OT because I needed two drivers to finish in the top three, and I missed <laughs> out by one one spot. Uh, darn you, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson! Come on, what what happened? Yeah. You hey, guys you are only one two for these uh, these right. road courses. Yeah, I know. I was bummed oh. too. My that hey, was our
0: those both of our picks collectively to win the race, and they, you, they ended you're up You're looking winning.
1: at like the the stage one and two winners with Tyler Reddick and Michael McDowell battling it out and everything just know those guys were on a totally separate pit schedule than the leaders the entire race were and hey yeah they pitted yes. earlier they pitted earlier so that they hey. got lucky there but just kind of they weren't really contending for the win by any stretch of the imagination and then obviously they both got wrecked so but, you know, what? it was it was so good to actually see legitimate racing, though, for the Brickyard. You know, I mean, other than the restarts on the Oval for, like, maybe a half a lap, that was the only passing opportunities you had. I mean, I guess the only time you ever had cautions come out in the actual brick on the Oval was when Denny Hamlin would wreck. That's probably why he was <laughs> just mad. But... Coming back to that whole situation, it, you know, if there's if there is a track out there that's going to fix the problem and make it right for next year, it is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You have Roger Penske at the helm now, and then heck, at, at, when it got the curb got really damaged after that big wreck, Doug Bowles himself, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, was out there with the repair crews cleaning things up so they could get it done quicker. So. <laughs> It wouldn't have to have a super long red flag. It was either out there, yeah, maybe it was out there for the last one, the shorter red flag, but there were some beers consumed. So, <laughs> timing is a little iffy, but um, <laughs> just, just, I mean, it was so cool to be able to look. I mean, how often do you see the president of the speedway out there cleaning up damage so they can get back to racing quicker? You don't see that at Daytona. You don't see that at Talladega. You don't see that anywhere, but at the Indianapolis motor speedway, of course At how many of these other tracks is the president of the speedway, like a household name or somebody that you can physically recognize. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it might be like, if you're down in Daytona, everybody knows that enjoys racing, knows who the president is of Daytona or same thing at Talladega. I don't know, but, if somebody's around those areas and you know who the president is, let us know, please. We'd yeah. like to know just for comparison's sake. But like I said, I, if there's going to be a track that's going to get it, get a problem fixed, or I, mean, I'm, I guarantee you, Roger Penske sat down with all the people he needed to sit down with this morning and they had a meeting of how can we make it better? What can we do to fix it? I mean, they were probably going to have that meeting regardless of how can we make next year better. But now this was probably topic number one how can we fix it so it it is more conducive to these cars for racing
0: dusty does bring up in the chat he says uh, do you think chase briscoe intentionally took out denny hamlin i mean i don't think he did there was a interview i actually pretty interesting twitter on twitter there was like literally video taken of chase briscoe and denny hamlin talking it out which i don't really understand what chase briscoe was saying because he was saying that like he didn't know where Turn Ten was, and I was like, "Bro, you went through Turn Ten like a thousand times. How did you not this know where was it was?" The
1: end of the race. How did you not? Or, know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So like, I don't get that exactly, but I mean, <clears throat> what? It's, it's just unfortunate because I don't know how you fix that because like, unless you wanted, you know, Chase Briscoe to literally stop. But I mean, I guess in that situation, like maybe if he like immediately like you have to yield. Or like, or something like that. Like I don't know. Like you can't keep racing well, it, even it, after you've already been assessed a penalty. Sense.
1: Like he he gained he gained ground initially.
0: Oh no, I know like that. The but...
1: And then, yeah, I guess he. Uh, f- from what I understand is he did not realize that N- NASCAR had penalized him, so he was racing hard still. He thought he was still racing for the lead. He didn't realize he had been penalized.
0: Right, which you would think though, you'd have to know. They're like you have to know, you can't just cut through the grass, and there's going to be nothing right. that's going to happen. And they're like, no, that's fine, that's legal. Well, just drive through the grass.
1: He thought because he made he entered the track safely, and he, I mean, he did get back behind Denny Hamlin. Yeah, and that's when so, he, so true. He probably thought at that point, hey, I, I know, I, I, yeah, I made up, I was ahead of him after I came out of the grass, but I did get back behind him so all should be okay. And that's probably what he was thinking. And he was racing Denny Hamlin hard because what it tur- from what I, I mean, I've heard he got penalized because of coming back onto the track the way he did. But I also got hurt. I also heard that he got penalized for the, uh, the contact with Denny Hamlin that spun Denny Hamlin. So I don't really know which one is the legit story.
0: Right. Well, um, all told though, I think looking back on the weekend, uh, the racing wasn't exactly what we expected. <laughs> the IndyCar race wasn't super fantastic, but it was solid and the NASCAR race was just, you know, chaos. Um, but I think it was again, good for both sports overall. I think, I think this, I think if you look back at this weekend, it like, you're going to look back at this weekend and know it was a success, especially if they start, if they keep doing this in the future, I think it's all, all it will do is just continue to grow both sports.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, like I'm a big, big IndyCar guy. My buddy Pat who went with me is a big, big IndyCar guy, big NASCAR guy too. Both of us are, but we were both saying this, this weekend feels different. Like typically when you go, we go to IMS and you know, it's an IndyCar race. It, it's big weekend on the road course. Even last year when they had um, the IndyCar double header and then the endurance race, it felt like you were there for an IndyCar weekend and the endurance race was something added on, but this weekend just had a different feel in the air, a different vibe of everything. And it was like, you definitely felt that you were there for a NASCAR weekend and there was an IndyCar race kind of as a, a bonus for you, which was, which was cool. And I think that was some that was big for the sport of IndyCar more so than it was for NASCAR, because um, I think you had, ended up having seen a lot, of, and a lot of NASCAR fans ended up seeing IndyCar car for the very first time because i was seeing on twitter and instagram people posting or at least on mostly on twitter posting pictures my first time at a nascar race or my first time at an indy car race and it was really cool to be able to see that that these people are you know checking things out like i told my like i was telling my buddy i was like it made zero sense to buy tickets just for one of the days it felt like that would have been a you would have been losing money then because you're leaving a, an entire day on the table of action at the Speedway, and it felt like you really got your money's worth by being there the entire weekend. Now I didn't go Friday, but at least for being there Saturday, well, you, lost Sunday, you lost money. I were not there the whole. Bucks, you, you, you weren't.
0: You, hey, you weren't there the whole weekend. You just said if you didn't go the whole weekend, you lost money.
1: It was only open. It was they only <laughs> were on track on Friday for like.
0: Doesn't I mean, matter. Was That's what you said. Like
1: two hours, so. <laughs>
0: Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I you said to it. Gotta make
1: the money to spend the money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
0: successful weekend overall.
1: But <laughs> oh, I hope they. I really do hope they stick to the road course, because yeah, that yeah. was over. I mean, other than the the chaos there at the end, it really was exciting racing. They, there was passing. It was it was everything you wanted it to be. Nobody. Nothing got stretched out. People weren't getting. I mean, if people were getting lapped, it was because you know they had issues with their cars and that lapping happens like that, but nobody was getting lapped because the leader just ran away with from everybody and was Pat was passing the entire field, you right. know? So it was, that was super nice um, to actually see that, that everybody was in contention really.
0: Yeah, it really was. Um. So let's go ahead and move on from that now, but before we get into the other event that happened this weekend in Indianapolis, let's first talk about our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. We also want to remind you that you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter, like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can go to our YouTube channel, Three C Media, where you can not only catch the video version of the Crash Course Podcast, but you can also um, you can see um, the MCT Podcast, which is our. Uh, Weekly podcast that's YouTube exclusive. I think the first five videos, like as far as the last 10, the top five videos are all MCT podcast videos. I don't think, it, I don't know if it makes you a bad person that I feel some type of way about that, but we get it. You listen to us on the way to work on Tuesday morning, uh, and then you go watch the MCT podcast as you're relaxing on the weekend. I get it. It's how it works. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Um, but yeah, so you have those uh, places to choose from. And speaking of 3C Media, um, uh, we just dropped a new logo. There's new content on the horizon, including a Twitter page, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Also, you can. Re- also, to remind you that you can watch us stream the podcast live every week, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. We thank everybody chilling in the chat right now. Dusty uh, SD Hughes loves the new logo as well as Carters 2. Carters 2 is excited that Ben DiNucci threw a touchdown pass because that doesn't happen at all. It's the preseason, but who cares? Get excited. Um, So, yeah, uh, you'll come. Take part in the chat. We love talking to you guys. Of course, you can listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. And speaking of good old preseason football, we're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. That's what we're Uh, calling it. Yeah. Carson Wentz, first of all, um, in true crash course fashion, we talk about, Oh, how much time will Carson Wentz miss? How will the Colts be able to get through it? And then there's a report literally like two days later. That's like, uh, he and Quentin Nelson are, uh, you know, could possibly be ready for week one. Although as expected, the Colts brass, uh, will not rush back Carson Wentz, but that's an optimistic sign. Um, and then, The Colts got more optimism um, on preseason game number one on Sunday. The Colts win twenty-one to eighteen over the Panthers. Jacob Eason went fifteen for twenty-one with one hundred and eighty-three yards. Sam Ellinger went ten for fifteen with one hundred and fifty-five yards and interception. Benny LeMay and Jordan Wilkins both scored touchdowns as the Colts came away with the win. And honestly. I think this weekend, uh, you know, this game was a big W for the Colts in more ways than one, obviously, the the W on the field itself. Um, but, you know, between Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, both looked solid. Both looked locked in. Uh, they made impressive throws. They both led scoring drives. Um, and I think that when you look at it um, – you know, I think we learned a lot about, I mean, we learned about as much from a week one preseason game as you really can, but I think Colts fans can breathe a little easier about the quarterback situation from what we saw uh, from uh, Sam Ellinger and uh, Jacob Eason. I'm leaning a little bit more Jacob Eason than Sam Ellinger. Eason's throws, Really? Uh, Eason Eason's throws were a little bit more impressive. He fit the ball in the tighter windows. uh, and against better talent defensively. I mean, remember, remember, Jacob Eason did it against guys that he's actually going to be playing against on Sunday. um, You know, should you know, you know, should you know, he end up being the starter. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think Eason. I mean, it's not a big deficit between Eason and Ellinger, but I think I I give the nod to Eason right now just because he looked better against. You know t- uh, you know the first team defense then Sam, Sam Ellinger looked against the second and third team defense. So um, and, I mean yes, Ellinger did uh, lead the comeback, but he also made more mistakes. he had the interception. he was he was throwing he was taking more risks, which I mean great, that's awesome, but I, I felt like the risks, you know were not as didn't pay off as much as they did pay off. Mm-hmm. So um, I think either way, the Colts are going to be solid but I'm a little bit more fearful if you have Sam Ellinger under center week 1 against the Seahawks than I am at this point with Jacob Easton under the center week 1 um, against the Seahawks. So, uh, we'll see. Um I'm leaning a little bit more a little bit more towards Eason, but I think overall um, you know, I think the Colts uh, you know, could breathe a little bit easier about well the the uh, quarterback situation at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean okay, so great to see them actually get the win in preseason like I said (laughs) last week um their track record for that is isn't very good um I thought both quarterbacks did perform very well all things considered I mean this essentially was Sam Ellinger's first NFL action and whether it was against the the starters or the the practice squad it doesn't really matter it was his first set of action um Yeah, Eason's got that good arm, and, you know, he does have a bit more rapport with the wide receivers than Ellinger does, and that makes sense. He's been running with the ones rather than, you know. Um, The thing that really stood out to me, though, about Ellinger is, one, he first comes out and on a third and five makes a bad pass. It gets intercepted, but he didn't dwell on it. He, he He got past it real quick and ended up leading two scoring drives. One of the scoring drives that he um, led was the game winner, but it wasn't just a game winner. It was a beautifully mastered two minute drill. He killed clock. He moved the ball efficiently. And one of the things that stood out to me the most in that drive was not just his leadership on the field, but his athletic ability. That is something that we do not have with, um, Eason, Sam Ellinger was able to tuck the ball under, and if nothing was there, read all, get through all of his reads, and if nothing was there, he didn't force anything later on. He, yeah, he forced that one early, but I think you could chalk that up to first game jitters, essentially. But what we saw from him at, in that final drive, I feel like is what you are really going to see from him going forward. He does bring a different element to the game in his athletic ability. And I think that's really going to resonate with this with the coaching staff as time goes on. Now, obviously, do I expect him to be the week one starter if Carson Wentz is out? I don't think so, but it's going to be interesting to see how the backup battle really unfolds. I feel like if we get into week one and Carson Wentz is still not available, I feel like there could be potentially a very short leash for Jacob Eason because Sam Ellinger just has a different it factor to him and he's going to be a very good player in this league in my opinion um i would love it if he was the quarterback of the future to be honest after you know if we decide not to keep wince later on i think that would be awesome i think having him as your quarterback is he going to be a peyton manning type no no he's not but this is going to be this is a guy that is going to get the job done He's going to be a good football player for you. He could be a sneaky good. He could end up being a sneak a Pro Bowler in the future once he gets more reps. I mean, look, it was his first game action in the NFL. I think he did phenomenally well, all things considered. Um, And I cannot wait to see his growth over the next few weeks in the preseason as well. I think we're only going to get more and more amazed with what he's capable of doing, and may go even. Do we really want Carson Wentz? (laughs) Maybe not. I'm just saying that that's a possibility. Sam Ellinger has that it factor. It it feels like. Whereas Eason, when I look at Eason, I just feel like there's so many red flags still. This is a guy that had transferred so many times. Well, twice. He's transferred once, but even yeah, he, transferred he transferred from
0: Georgia, because I forgot he was on Georgia, and I yeah. saw like some highlights. I was like, oh, that's Jacob Easton.
1: <laughs> this guy was projected for most of his career to be a top 10 pick and never lived up to that hype. So I, I, I have worry there that any expectations on him may be too much. Whereas Sam Ellinger is a guy that came in from day one in Austin and was a starter. That is unbelievable heard of
0: but who else would have started in front of sam ellinger though because like know, texas texas it, hasn't it, had a good quarterback since and even ellinger wasn't super impressive in college like as far as like getting the job done victory wise you know you talk bad. about a guy who has the it factory couldn't even you know, I don't know.
1: this was a guy that bring it to mean, texas he willed that team to victory over oklahoma a couple times without anybody else playing well around him
0: okay yeah, but, but it was a, I mean Oklahoma almost almost got beat by Liberty this year. Let's not forget.
1: I know. But <laughs> at the same time, you we also have to remember, I mean, he's playing with much more talent around him. I don't oh, know. Yeah, for sure. He he is a a leader on the field. You just kind of see it in him. No matter even if they got down, he never like got down on himself. He was always on the sidelines, working with his guys, trying to get them fired back up to get back out there and keep playing hard. You know, sometimes it's just shitty luck yeah with with your team and that that happens but the way he responded to all that that is the it factor i i see because you're going to get in those situations where you know your team may be having a bad day but you you are as the quarterback you are the one that has to keep them motivated keep them going keep pushing 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 because you are the leader you are the face of the franchise that's the it factor i see from him he didn't like Oh, my wide receivers aren't catching anything I throw to them, and I'm putting it right on them. He didn't like pout or get mad or throw clips or, or transfer or, or transfer. He stuck around. He, I mean, this is a guy that you know. He, people had him on watch lists for like the Heisman and the Davy O'Brien and all this stuff, and so much turmoil within Texas and the coaching staffs. And I mean, it, this guy had an opportunity. He could have gone somewhere and been the guy elsewhere and probably made the playoff but he stuck it out with texas you know you don't you don't see that and that's that's the type of stuff i i know if i'm a gm and i'm looking for a quarterback that's the stuff i'm looking for similar to when tim tebow was playing was tim tebow a great quarterback yes. No. well i think so.
0: greatest quarterback of all time
1: i just but he had the it factor you know, he knew how to lead his team. He knew how to win games when he needed to. He knew it was just, it, but he wasn't the next Peyton Manning. And everybody was like, oh, he throws funny.
0: Right. Well, we do have a couple questions from the chat. Well, first of all, Carters wants to remind you that the uh, Browns did go 4-0 and in the preseason and went 0-16. So, I mean, it is preseason. Uh, hey, and also
1: did go 0-4 in the preseason and almost – when undefeated.
0: undefeated um, he asked, Do you think the Colts' defense will be as dominant as they usually are? I think they will be. They did lose a lot. They're, I think they're going to take a slight step back just because of what they lost over the offseason. But they come back with, I think, Quiddy uh, Pay is going to be good. I think, um, I think that, um, I, I think Dvorce Buckner, he's going to be back and be solid. Um, so I think they're still going to be a good defense. I just don't know if they'll necessarily be like as sensational as they were last year but they're definitely still going to be a good defense that can get the job done. Um and then he also biggest commented on the mark.
1: biggest question mark on the defense is the secondary. Yeah. Also um, since they've been, they been getting beat <laughs> in training. <camp.
0: laughs> um and then he also said that the receiver uh, depth looked pretty good which it really did. Oh, yeah. I think we're we're solid at, at a wide receiver. I
1: um, think we're looking at a potential star in the making in that Michael Strong.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Right,
1: okay. Didn't know this. Uh, it's pronounced strong. Really? I thought it, like, from watching the highlights because I obviously I didn't watch the game. I was at the track, but watching the highlights and uh, they were kept when they were every time he made catches. It was Michael Strong. I, was, like, I thought it was Stracken.
0: Yeah, that's what, I swear. That's what the like NFL like. <laughs> like a little card on NFL.com said to pro- how to pronounce it. Cause I made sure cause I was like, how do you, cause of course my like dumb Midwest brain was like Strachan. Is that his name? Yeah.
1: Like it's, the, it's, like, it's strong. Strachan. Strong.
0: Yeah. So, um,
1: but and yeah, I mean, I think it was Ray Fisher that's on the calls for the preseason. The voice of
0: Ray yeah, right. yeah. yeah.
1: In- I mean, he's a, he's a legend. So if he's going to pronounce it that way, I'm pretty sure that's the way it's supposed to be pronounced. I don't think he's I don't think he's screwing that one up. Right. Wait, Brandon, um, did you say something good about IU?
0: Yeah. Wait a minute.
1: Um, Not about them. About their broadcaster. Okay.
0: Right. I think ultimately we're both saying the same thing in the, in the sense that we think that the Colts are okay. They have a a quarterback in the building that can lead this team in the future. Mm -hmm. I just think that what Eason was able to do, because, because honestly, both Eason and Ellinger fall into the category that I have, you know, that I I evaluate quarterbacks on, which, you know, obviously I'm an NFL GM, so I know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but look
1: look at the penthouse view you've got back there.
0: Exactly. I mean, you don't get this view overnight. Um, but no, <laughs> I mean you technically do because you just go to Google Images and you and you put it behind you. But um, no, but like I, I think um, ultimately what we're saying is is that you know we feel confident in both of them. Um, you know that they get the job done. Like I said, they fall into the category of um, you know of quarterbacks who didn't really do much in college because that's what I always look at like what were their numbers in college? Who did they have to play? Um, and what do they do? Like, you know, did they go, do they have any 10 win seasons, nine win seasons? Did they have anything like that? There was a couple good seasons by Texas when Ellinger was, I mean, he got him to the sugar bowl that one year against Georgia. Um, so like Ellinger had more success than Eason in college. Um, but neither of them like had their team, um, like in contention to go to the playoff and, Um, you know, of course, Carter's points out in the chat as well. He, you know, says that the defense stays good. Um, all either of them really has to do is be a game manager, which I agree with.
1: I'll tell you what, though. The biggest worry I have about this team is left tackle. Yeah. I mean, Julian Davenport gave up two really big hits early on, on Jacob Eason. And it just, it got no better from there. So what's the timeline looking like for Eric Fisher now? Do we need to look somewhere else? Um, if, if you're Chris Ballard, are you picking up the phone and calling Anthony Costanzo and saying, are you sure you don't want to play (laughs) for like five games and then five games, then you can retire again. But yeah, that's a little concerning Ah. because you've spent, you brought in three left tackles this year, at least right. Tevi Davenport. Yeah. Fisher. I thought there was another one, but. Yeah, that's that's concerning because that's a key, key spot, especially if you have a quarterback like Carson Wentz. He can get injured easily. If he takes a big hit, I mean, we're looking at another Andrew Luck type situation. But, I mean, I'm not going to go that far because the, the offensive line as a whole is still better than what Andrew Luck had. Oh, yeah. Um, and also you got to realize that part of maybe this, this past weekend, the lack of – good play from the line uh, left tackle has a little bit to do with the fact that quentin nelson was out ryan kelly was out so let's not i mean they know that side is a little bit weaker at this point so why not push it whereas let well, it's let's, let's I'm, I'm gonna hold off full judgment but it is a little bit it is it is one of those things that you want to keep your eye on to see how that plays out the rest of this preseason and going into week one
0: yeah, and I mean, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's preseason week one. I, I think we learned. I think we learned some good things. Like, I think the main thing to take out of week one of the preseason for the Colts, especially, is just like, hey, there's no alarm bells going off. Like major sure. alarm bells. Like, we got through the first week, no major injuries, no, like
1: really well, big. That like a third string running back when he pumps his fist. After a fifteen a really good (laughs) where he literally carries the entire carries the entire defense. (laughs) He got up and was super excited and he yeah, well, all that 15
0: yards you just got. You just can't, you can't flex because we learned if Nick Castellanos taught us anything uh, in Major League Baseball this year, if you guys don't remember it, he literally gets hit by a pitch, comes around, scores on a, like, double, and uh, it was a play at the plate. Yadier Molina, like, knocks him down, and he gets up and flexes. No, it was the pitcher. It was the pitcher who hit him, was at the plate, and he flexed over him, got, like, suspended for two games. Then Benny LeMay has this amazing run flexes on the guys because you literally just carried the entire defense is what you do in the locker room you prepare for this moment and there's like actually now you can't be excited about that
1: but i think if you flex to your teammates you're okay yeah you just can't over the guy and flex on him.
0: you can't flex in the general direction of another player so don't do that
1: from the other team
0: yeah exactly so we did learn some some big things there all right so you know, let's go ahead and move on to the final segment of the show. Uh, it's going to be our hot or cold segment, uh, where B Scott and I will go through each NFL team, rapid fire style, saying hot for a team we believe will make the playoffs um, or could make the playoffs. So basically, the rule is if we think there's a chance this team will make the playoffs, which obviously I know season hasn't started, literally any team can make it, but just what we reali- realistically think uh, a team could make it. You know how you know that we'll say hot. We'll say cold if we think they'll miss the postseason. Uh, the parameters I want to set up before we get into this is that I think uh, this is how I'm going off of it. The AFC to me has a lot of good teams. So I think it will be harder to make the playoffs and it will be in the NFC, the NFC, you know, you have the top couple of teams, but even like the saints this year, I think are going to take a little bit of a step backwards. So like you have the top teams um, and then um from then on out it's just kind of could be anybody so um it's a little bit more up in the air in the nfc
1: do i have to pick an an nfc east team
0: i mean you you is one of them
1: gonna get in by default or can we just like we like say no you weren't good enough none of you were good enough sit down shut up and get better
0: right um so Admittedly, I should have done this before we went live today, B. Scott, but I thought it would be a little bit quicker, a little bit more conducive instead of just going back and forth saying like cold, 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 hot, hot. We could just be like, I'll go through like a stretch of teams and then it will kind of come to a stopping point and be like, do we have like, are we all agreed on these? And then... Um, that way it's a little bit quicker than going back and forth 32 times. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So let's go ahead and kick it off. I went backwards. I went 32, uh, through, through, uh, team number one. So we'll start at the bottom. So this should be pretty quick. Uh, Jaguars, cold jets, cold Falcons, Texans, Bengals, Eagles, Panthers, all colds for me. I don't think any of those teams will be in the playoffs. Uh, the Broncos, um, they're cold for me, but no pun intended. They're a dark horse. Uh, the AFC uh, is super stacked, though. And they're the team and the AFC West that I have the least confident in, confidence in. And then the Lions are cold as well. So do we have any disagreements there?
1: Nope. I have got them all them cold as well. The only one I make have as a dark horse is the Panthers because Christian McCaffrey
0: true true i didn't i did not think about christian mccaffrey cuz you kind of forget about him sometimes he's right a he's player. he's an amazing player literally turns the game around and
1: either whether uh, they go with pj walker or sam darnold at quarterback i think it's it's a it's a good situation
0: Yeah. Now you did tick off uh, Carters in the chat by uh, knocking the NFC East. Don't worry, Carters. I got your back. Uh, Cowboys are hot for me. I think the Cowboys do have a chance, especially if they come back strong with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. They have so much talent. If everybody stays healthy, I think they're in good shape. And the Giants for me are hot. They added a lot of talent offensively in the offseason headed up by Kenny Galladay um the east is wide open in my opinion that's going to be it's funny because you look at the east and the west the west in the NFC is going to be a lot of fun to watch um, because of, uh, you know, the NFC West is going to be a lot of fun to watch because of how many good playoff caliber teams there are. And the East is going to be fun because maybe it may not be, you know, all amazing games, but that like anybody can win that division. In my opinion, it's kind of like the NL East, if I'm uh, equating it to baseball, where you, it's not the best all the time that the, the Super Bowl champions probably not going to come out of that division, but it's wide open. Anyone can take it.
1: Yeah, I I have the same there. I do think the Cowboys are hot. The Giants are hot as well. Um, As long as the the biggest question mark for me, with all that is the Cowboys defense, to be honest.
0: True. Uh, The 49ers are cold. Uh, See Denver, just like with Denver. Um, You know, they just, if the 49ers played in any other division, the NFC South, NFC East, NFC uh, North, I would feel like they are. This would be a hot for me, but they're the worst team in the in, in the NFC West which is not knocking them it's just the NFC West is legit stacked so um so that's why I'm saying cold for the 49ers Chargers are hot no sophomore slump for uh, Justin Herbert. I think they're a team that can sneak in there. I don't know if they're gonna have a home playoff game meaning they're gonna be like you know the five six or seven seed but I think they have a chance to make some noise uh, if they can get in the show Justin Herbert uh, really uh, opened some eyes last year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the 49ers are cold, um, mostly because of this division that they play in. But if Trey Lance can keep playing the way he's looked like he's able to and that defense can stay healthy, I, that could be a dark horse in the NFC uh, as well. All right. Sticky. To to. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, the Vikings for me are cold. Um, just the, a lot of teams in the NFC North um, are going to be cold for me. The Patriots, unfortunately for us, are back. Um, They added so much. Not, not back. Okay, B. Scott, I see your look. Not back to Tom Brady, Super Bowl caliber, but they're going to be a playoff team or have a shot to be a playoff team this year Um, because they've got a lot of talent. They literally went and signed everybody. I'm not accepting your... Uh, your awkward look, B Scott. Um, <laughs> it's it's a hot for me. Um, Washington for me is hot. They are a team, dude. They, how are you gonna knock a team that was literally in the playoffs and they had Fitz Magic, my guy? They got Brian Fitzpatrick at the helm. I, I mean, can't tell me it's not a step up from Alex Smith. Can't tell me it's a, not a um, you know a step up from. Grab me some Heinekens. Uh, I think it's going to be a great uh, improvement for – I mean, like I said, the East is wide open. So I think they could make it in there. Their defense is absolutely juiced, P. Scott. I'll pause because you've given me some looks.
1: All right. Vikings, yeah, cold. <laughs> just, just like a Minnesota winter. Uh, the Patriots, I'm, I'm not ready. I, I need to see it from them. I, I'm not ready to say that um, – Mac Jones is going to be the savior and Cam Newton's going to go back to old Cam Newton. I, I just I'm not ready to jump on that yet. Um, Washington, I, I okay, I can see where you're coming from with Washington. I guess for me, the reason I think I'm thinking cold is just because they backed their way into the playoffs essentially last year. True. And I, I think that's kind of what stands out for me. But I I don't see really three i mean i guess we're looking at teams that are that can be potential playoff teams like if we think they have a shot at the playoffs then yes because of the division that they play in you know i don't think two teams come out of the nfc east but i do i mean because that division is so wide open that they can be hot
0: yeah see remember there's
1: really only one cold team in that division and that's the eagles
0: right so we're gonna i was gonna say because that's the caveat here it's not our playoff picks per se it's can you make the playoffs that's the hotter cold i want to thank uh rage uh for gifting five subs in the chat if you hear that on the youtube side of things uh that alert is uh my sub alert for when somebody subscribes to the channel so i appreciate the love there always love everybody in the chat continuing on um so the Cardinals, they are hot. I think that's going to be a team that's going to, uh, you know, make some noise this year. Adding JJ Watt, the Bears are cold. No but
1: more rookie of the year.
0: Yes, the Bears are cold, but Fields will have them in the mix. You th- you don't think the Bears are cold?
1: I don't know. I I, I will see. I, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. I'll agree with it for
0: that. I I I agree with it until like. Because honestly, once Rodgers is out of the North, the North is wide open. I, and I yeah. don't think there's two teams. There's not two teams for me that come out of the NFC North. So, yeah. So that's what I'm going with. Um, the Raiders,
1: there. Oh, with as bad as the rest of the division could be with the Lions and the Vikings, I feel like the Bears could have a legitimate shot of backing into a wild card spot
0: which is essentially what they did last year with Trubisky. And I think they will be better suited, uh, you know, this time around quarterback no, wise go
1: because of that, I'm going to go hot.
0: There you go. We got to have some differences. Uh, the Raiders are hot. Uh, you know, they were right on the doorstep last year with Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Rams. They're hot. They made it last year and they improved. They have Matthew Stafford. The dolphins for me are hot as well. Uh, Tua, he is the guy now. No fits magic can come bail you out. I think he makes some strides. We'll see what happens. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, come on, Lamar Jackson. They are Moy Caliente, the Cleveland Browns, a I think could be potentially your AFC North champions. They are hot as well. A, a fun team to watch this coming season. Um, and then the Colts I have is hot right now. Wentz, the return for Wentz is key. And it's like I said last week, it's not because I don't think they're a playoff caliber team because they are, but I mean, heck, look how good the Colts played last season. They were literally seventh, um, you know, made, made the playoffs by the hair on their chinny chin chin. So, I mean, it's something where, you know, the AFC is so stacked that, you know, if they get off to a rough start because Carson Wentz isn't there, that's when you start to worry. So that's the only caveat on the Colts. They're hot for now. We'll see how long Wentz is out.
1: Oh, yeah. I agree with all those. <laughs> but I'll go one step further with the Colts. And I think they they get in the playoffs no matter who their quarterback is just because of that running game.
0: True. Um. So... You have the Buccaneers. They're hot. The Titans, they are hot because they had Julio Jones in the mix. What? The Saints, they're hot in the streets, but I I have them as hot in the spirit of the exercise because kind of like what you did with Washington where you're like, I don't think they'll make it. That's kind of how I am. The Saints, like, they could make it, but, like, <clears throat> I have zero faith in Jameis Winston. Um, I mean...
1: So, uh- I'll agree with the hot there just because of Taysom Hill.
0: Yeah, true. I, I mean, how the Saints didn't come away with something better quarterback-wise to succeed Drew Brees. I mean, I don't think Jason, like Jameis Winston is not the guy. Taysom Hill, I mean, yeah, he's good for those gadget plays, and that's what they need him for, and that's what's been successful. But at the same time, if he's needed to be just a quarterback, like I don't know the what – The Saints
1: also do seem to be having some internal – turmoil. It's not good when your uh, star wide receiver is not happy with the coach and kind of has ghosted him. And I mean, they say they patch things up, but we'll see.
0: So yeah, developing story there. Cause I did not know that. Um, the Steelers for me, they are cold. The Steelers oh. just kind of just are like, we're the Steelers. Come on. I don't know why they're talking like that, but they're like, come on. We're the Steelers. We're going to make the playoffs. Uh, and uh and I don't think it's the case this year. There's too many good teams in the AFC. Um, and then let's go ahead and finish it out here. The Seahawks hot, the Bills hot, the Packers hot. The Chiefs are cold. Just kidding. They're hot. They are, they are hot in the streets. 19, for me at least, hot teams um, uh, on the list. Um, I think we differed on a few, but still, I mean, heck, it's a good year gearing up for football when you can say that at least 16 plus teams are, you know, playoff caliber when, I mean, I know, and I guess I know 14 make the playoffs, but when you're excited about, you know, 16, you know, there's going to be some good teams that are left out.
1: Oh yeah. And that, that, that's always a good thing. I, I mean, it'd be pretty bad if we were looking at this and say, Oh no, cold, 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 like, how oh, great the battle for the number one pick is going to be more exciting than the battle for a playoff spot. Um, I think it is going to be good. I think some of these teams that we've listed as hot could come out and absolutely be complete duds. And some of them that we listed as cold could surprise us. And I think if there's going to be a, there's two teams that could truly come out and surprise us that we listed as cold, I'm going to say the, um, the 49ers and the bears. And if there's two teams that could come out that we said are hot and could be complete duds, I'm gonna say uh, the Saints and the Packers.
0: So I would almost say, because I, I I agree on the Saints.
1: The Actually, Packers. No, I'll say the Saints and the Rams. The, yeah, I, the Rams. I don't I, think the I, Packers will be complete duds as long as Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. Right. They got a legitimate shot. The Rams. It's still a question mark because that run game's not that is not that solid. We don't know what Matthew Stafford's really going to be like on a good team. Um, right. So there's there's question marks there. So those are my picks that could potentially be duds, and the ones get that could be surprises.
0: Yeah, I'll throw like the Giants in there too. Like I I think the this Giants. is a make or
1: break year for the Giants.
0: Yeah, the make Giants break are for
1: Daniel Jones <laughs> and Saquon.
0: Pretty much any team that we mentioned is hot. Uh, I know we like hyped you guys up. I know I have some, you know, Cowboys and giants fans in the chat, but I know we hyped you guys up, but you guys also have a very real possibility of all being duds as well, based on what we saw last year. I mean, cause everybody, I mean, I don't think anybody expected, um, you know, the giants to be great. Nobody really expected the Washington football team to be great. But the fact that it was just like, literally they had to like force someone to take the NFC East last year. Um, so that could be something that goes into it, too. But, yeah, in the spirit of the exercise, just teams that we can, like, realistically see making the playoffs, um, you know, I think there's some good ones on there. But, yeah, definitely definitely going to be interesting once we have to shoehorn these teams into the playoffs make our predictions here in a couple of weeks. There we go. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out, especially everybody in the chat. You guys are awesome. Uh, remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. You can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Uh, remember, we've got a YouTube channel, 3C Media, where you can see. Um, Not only uh, this podcast every week, if you choose to watch the video side of things, but you can also see the MCT podcast our YouTube exclusive podcast that comes out on the weekend uh, Saturdays, most of the time, a couple of times on Sunday. Um, Those guys, like I said before are killing it. They're the top five videos on our channel right now. It makes me sad, but happy at the same time uh, because it means those guys are killing it. Um, I, (laughs) I <laughs> can't seem to stop coughing, which is also great. Um, you can uh, also um, go watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash uh, uh, Craig crash. Um, we stream the podcast live every week. We want to interact with you guys, you know, dusty carters rage with the gifted subs, um, SD, commenting on the logos just everybody here vibing and chat. We enjoy having you all here. Um, so thank you guys all for tuning in and participating in the podcast. Cause that's what we want to do is interact um, with you guys. Um, and then remember you can listen everywhere on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the crash course podcast. Remember three C media uh, about to get a few more uh, content pages. So be on the lookout for that B Scott, where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at Brandon underscore eighty seven on Twitter. Say it again where I'm not. I can't wait to get our TikTok up and running.
0: Say it again when I'm not coughing through it.
1: Oh, Brandon underscore eighty <laughs> seven on Twitter.
0: <laughs> um. So. Um. Uh, yeah, and uh, Rage asked if you, uh, if uh, B Scott uh, has a Twitch. He does not have a Twitch, but he does have an OnlyFans. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> uh but but yeah so um yeah dude i'm excited we're gonna have some content some specifically for tiktok but hey if you miss a podcast uh and you want to just kind of see you know a funny segment from the show or just a little clip um that's what that's gonna be good for very excited to kind of get that off the ground so be on the lookout and for that we're also gonna be back next week to talk uh more colts more football as we get set it is that time of year again very excited for that but until then have a good week everybody